hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel, and this is a show where I get to talk about sports, I get to talk about business, and I get to talk about everything in between. Today, my incredible guest, Sarah Apgar, founder of Fit Fighter, mom of two toddlers. Sarah, how are you doing today? Awesome. Pumped to be here. Thanks. Sunny day in New York. Yeah, right. It was really rainy earlier this week here. It kind of sucked with all the, I guess that was part of the hurricane. I don't know. But now the sun's back out. It's a good day. It's a beautiful day. It's a positive day. And we're going to roll with it. And I'm very excited again, Sarah, to have you on. Excited to talk about Fit Fighter. Excited to talk about your athletic career living here. And um, I mean, as I told you before, I'm in Bridgewater, which is a stone's throw away from Princeton. So excited to talk about your athletic career at Princeton, as well as your time there on campus. But the first question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? Oh, man, the team, the competition, the thrill of the win and the loss. And what that does for us for, you know, our lifetime. Yeah, I think the the loss aspect is something that if you don't play sports, especially now, I mean, I'm not going on a rant about the the participation cr- trophy crowd. I don't, I never <laughs> understood it. I never gave myself a participation trophy, so I don't understand why everyone's angry at me for receiving one. I don't know. That's a whole nother thing. But what, like, where else in life do you find, I guess, consistent defeat? Right. Like very rarely, unless you're bad at math, like very rarely do you find consistent (laughs) defeat. And I think in sports, you know, it's the the discipline, the the community aspect, as you said, with the team. But it's really that losing that you really don't find anywhere else. Right. Yeah. And, you know, also it's finite. Um, There's a moment in time at which, you know, you absorb that feeling emotionally, mentally, physically, and then you address it, you know, with your teammates um, you, you consider it, you go through that grieving process, then you, you know, you, you pick yourself back up and you, you know, you step back forward and you train and you prepare and you practice and, you know, you do your mental imagery and you work with your teammates and your coach, and then you do it again. And I think that that process, like the, the finite nature of that process, I think is important actually in terms of being able to apply to more like esoteric experiences, you know, throughout our lives. And that's what I find to be really powerful about like specifically about the, the team sports experience. Yeah. Especially because it's also, you know, as you said, it's that, that community, that, that team aspect that you all kind of share in the that emotion, whether it's a big win, uh, uh, you know, just a regular season loss or and even to go to the finite to, to, to take that a step further. Some of those losses, while all of them are finite, some of those emotions are significantly bigger, right? You lose that championship game. You've yeah. probably not, never felt that loss before. So it's always it's not just the finite aspect of it. It's some are a little bit longer. Some are a little bit more emotional uh, and can kind of make it a little bit more difficult. But as you said, as long as you have that process in place to get over it, I think that yeah. part's pretty important as well. Yeah. And it comes, I mean, like, man, yes, I, my freshman year, you know, national championship game, mm. double over, double overtime against Stanford. I mean, I can, I can take you back to <laughs> moments in that game that I'll revisit, you know, forever, you know, the step out of bounds, right. Which in rugby is like, partic- can be particularly, uh, you know, fateful um, just because of like the way the game turns around and, and, you know, like just moments where you, you made a decision, you made a movement, you missed a tackle, um, that stick with you forever. And like the vividness of that, I totally agree is, um, I, I think it's cool that that sticks with you forever, you know, cause there's, there's, again, there's like something powerful about that. And then I was also thinking as you're talking like the, um, 
the way that the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual come together, you know, in those moments and the way that now I love the evolution in sports performance of, you know, programs like at Princeton, for example, the Tiger Performance Program mm -hmm. is now, you know, what all student athletes are a part of. It's no longer, you know, you're, you're playing a sport and then you have, you know, a sports psychologist you can go to if you need it. Now, you know, we've all realized that much like life, you know, sports also is this like, you know, this this combination of all of those aspects um, of our like human nature, our humanness. Um, and so I, I think that's been a great evolution. Yeah, I think that is, uh, you know, the, the combination of all of those is something that, you know, overly, it feels like over the last, you know, 10, 15 years where we kind of all knew it, it, it's all connected, right? If you're in a good headspace, you're, you're going to have less distractions, less stress. So potentially you're going to perform better on the field or on the court, wherever that is. So I think that part is, is pretty important. And let's, uh, let's dive into your rugby career a little bit. Two-time All-American at Princeton University, shout out University, University of Princeton, right? I'm sorry. I don't, don't mean to mix up these words a little bit, but um, you know, it's it's such a cool place. We were talking about it before. It's kind of like Hogwarts. It's, if you've never been, highly suggested just to go walk around. But what you know, considering it's such an academic school, it's lauded. You know, obviously one of the the best in the country for academics and Ivy League. What what are athletics like at Princeton, and and how how can you compare or contrast that? I guess to what we kind of already know about Princeton, with it being again. A very smart school, a lot of smart people going on to get all these Fortune 100 jobs. How do you compare the athletics and, and the academics at a school like that? Princeton is a place that is filled with intensity all mm. the time. And people who are intrinsically motivated, you know, self-motivated. And that was my favorite part of what you see, you know, on the athletic field. I mean, I think that's what you get with high level athletes, mm. I'm sure, anywhere. Um, what I love is just that, you know, the heart with, with which, you know, student athletes poured themselves into the game. Um, rugby was really interesting because, you know, just to kind of call it out, I mean, it was a club sport at Princeton, but we, you know, we were playing at the highest level nationally. I mean, it's been a club sport traditionally and historically in this country at most universities. So the kind of division one rugby really was like, you know, effectively club for a long time. Now there's a lot, uh, there's evolution of programs going varsity. But so we'd play again, you know, we play in the national championships, you know, USA rugby. Um, and, you know, for me, three final fours, you know, every, um, j just about every year for a couple of decades. And Princeton was lucky in the nineties, had this incredible coach um, who came over, came from England. He was actually a graduate student at Princeton and, you know, just, kind of met, met with some fortune, good fortune, started coaching the women's team and really took it, you know, all the way to the top. And so I loved just being like in that environment that's highly competitive academically, highly competitive athletically, but, but with some balance for sure. You know, there's, it's, it's everything is sort of feels high stakes there and there's a high expectation kind of across everything you do. Um, a little less intense on the, you know, obviously not scholarship sport, what, you know, for me. And so I'm sure that dynamic changes a little bit, um, things, but yeah, it's just, a, it was a cool place to, to be an athlete and a cool vibe and, and sort of competitive nature of just life in general. 
Yeah. And so when we were speaking a little bit before, uh, you kind of called it its own little Truman show. And, and I think that's really interesting <laughs> because, hey, it's a great movie. I just think that movie is fantastic. Shout out Jim Carrey for that. But with you know, what I found is, you know, with high school, you're kind of in that high school bubble. And then you leave high school, you go to college, you're like, wait, none of that stuff mattered. Like literally none of it mattered. All the arguments, all the the the, the stupid stuff that happened, all the drama, literally zero percent of it mattered. And then you move on to college where it's it's kind of the same thing, right? Like you have everything that's happening in college, you're kind of in that little bubble and then you leave there. I mean, did did, you know, being a two time All-American going to four final fours, what was it like when you then leave Princeton again, kind of in that pressure cooker in that chamber of just, as you said, un, unrivaled intensity within sports, within academics, and then you kind of leave to go on and, and start your life, quote unquote. How much did you get relieved of that stress? Like, what was that aspect of it? Like, again, from going in that such intense environments and then getting out into the world, how, how did that kind of change you, I guess? That's a really interesting question, because I think that I, I agree that I think we we all right like when we're I had a professor once in graduate school who would always say, you know, in every moment, whatever's happening to you in that moment always feels more important, more consequential mm -hmm. than in the grand scheme of things. It really is right. There's always a there's always a an opportunity to impact that, you know, over time and to sort of have that become less like intense, dire, consequential than at that moment. And I think, I think that that's definitely true. You know, reflecting back, what I love is to reflect back on those experiences and be able to feel and know, you know, how, how important they were in terms of shaping, you know, your, yourself as a, as a person, as an individual, as an adult, as an athlete, as a team leader, you know, and, and just love it for what it was and love it for how you know that it shaped you like at that era chapter mm -hmm. of your life. And also look back and know that probably all of those moments felt more intense, dire, mm -hmm. consequential than they, you know, than they are in like our grand scheme of 80 years of life or a hundred years or however long we live. And so I guess that's how I would sort of think about it. You know, I love that it's sort of both. I mean, it, it absolutely, those college years, like those, those shape us forever. You know, my being a team captain of a sport in college is something I lean back on now, like in business, you know, with, with leading teams and um, understanding how to set expectations and meet expectations and what it means when you, when you don't. And so, cause that's how I looked at it. You know, I, I think it's cool that it's kind of like mm -hmm. both things um, and, and serves like both purposes and fun to reflect back on. Yeah, you can draw upon those experiences and, and the, the knowledge that you gained, but also understand, hey, like most of that stuff, while it was awesome in the moment and important in the moment, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Uh, most of that stuff can kind of go by the wayside. And I also just want to touch upon one more thing before we move on. So you said you went to three Final Fours. I wrote down two-time All-American. I didn't write down national champion though. Did I miss that or <laughs> sadly no. no? Oh god. So so going back to those losses and those kind of thinking would be forever. Yeah. I mean, like I mean, getting yeah. close once, right? That's something. Yeah. Getting close that close three times. I mean, at what point do you just like yeah. kind of like what point does that take over and just be like, are we ever gonna do it? Can I ever get there? Like how how did the emotional going back to the emotional too? How do you kind of deal with three huge losses like that on the biggest potential stage? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's always something I'll, I'll I'll think about that forever. And Mm -hmm. especially that, you know, that one game Mm -hmm. I mentioned, because that's definitely was, you know, the kind of the the closest, you know, where you can sort of touch and, and feel like you can, you know, taste that, Mm -hmm. that victory and that, and that the season had really been set up, you know, for that to be the ending. And again, it's like a beautiful thing about sports, right? Like, it's just, it's not always the ending that, that you planned um, and you imagined and, and visualized a hundred times over. Um, and so I, yeah, that's just, that's, that's something that'll stick with me forever. And always think about, you always think about it and have to make peace. You have to make peace with, with that. And, um, but that being said, because of what we just talked about, you know, where now as you live and go through life, I think that particular thing of not of that, you know, never achieving that final, mm-hmm. you know, top of the podium becomes, I think, less and less and less something that, you know, feels like that loss, you know, because now you just have so much more perspective. I got two little girls, a beautiful family, you know, growing a cool company, um, impacting lots of people in lots of new ways. And so you, you sort of, I think, are able to transition and and chalk that up to like, wow, the loss in and of itself is 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 clearly like now what matters and what you learn from. Mm-hmm. And exa- again, like grand scheme of things it sucks but uh, you know it's cool you learn something from it you had those experiences i'm sure in the moment there's nothing potentially worse than that but now again looking back it's like hey that was cool at least i did that it sucks but you know we kind of grow on obviously those um those emotions get tapered down over time it's not like you wake up hopefully you're not like you wake up each and every night with a nightmare from uh from some of those (laughs) games back then but um so I think it's, it, again, you know, rugby is just such a cool sport. Uh, you know, you going to Princeton, I definitely want to touch upon that. Obviously, you being an athlete is pretty fantastic. So take me on the journey a little bit. Which which came first, the personal training journey or when you were an Iraq war vet? Which what, Give me the timeline. Sure. So when I graduated college in 2002, I entered the military immediately. I was um, a member of the ROTC program. So that's how my sort of path into the Army. So I commissioned in the Army Engineer Corps that year and then spent four years as a platoon leader, executive officer. Um, I was a lieutenant and then a captain. You left the service as a captain. I had one deployment in 2003-2004 to Iraq to Mosul. Um, supporting the 101st Airborne Division with um, a, a, the 52nd Engineer Battalion. And so then when I left the service, I had decided to go to grad school. My husband and I traveled for a little while, you know, really took some time to transition from that lifestyle, which um, was was hard. That transition's hard. You know, I think that you, it's, it's so, when your first professional experience and lifestyle is in the military, you, it's really, it's it's different to get out and you're sort of a little bit deer in the headlights. So I went to graduate school as a way to kind of, you know, again, make that transition professionally into a new chapter. And then during my first job out of graduate school, which was working for Warby Parker, an amazingly cool company I'm sure you've heard of, mm-hmm. um, started by four um, incredible colleagues, you know, very mission driven. And during that that time, those five years at Warby, I joined the volunteer fire service because I really missed the camaraderie and the community of the military. 
I, I really, I loved that lifestyle and all the things I described about it that, you know, the, the physical challenge, the leadership, the team orientation. And so when I joined the volunteer fire service is actually the, the very original roots of Fitfighter. And during that time, I got my personal training certification. I just really, I'd always been as, as an athlete and a soldier and mm-hmm. you know, I'd always been interested in fitness more broadly and thought that would be great to just know more about the exercise science aspects and background of it and take a little more of a scientific approach to, you know, my, my general interest and enthusiasm for fitness and sports. So I did a a little bit of training on the side with some lacrosse players in Long Island, you know, some athletes, and I started building programs for the fire department. And that, you know, again, is really the the birth of Fit Fighter, the very early stages was, was programs and training that would prepare firefighters better for what really happens out there, the rigors of the weight load, the high stress environments, you know, that mental physical readiness that we just talked about that's so synonymous with sports and with athletes. It's, it's, we're all a lot closer than we think. That's one of my core messages is that, you know, we're, we're all humans and no matter what our everyday endeavor is, we, we all share that need to feel ready for those demands, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, and whatever percentage is physical, mental, emotional, spiritual of that demand. Um, that's, that's kind of what changes, you know, the nature of it. But in the end, like we're, we're all very, very close in terms of the, the fundamentals, you know, to prepare us and make us ready. So that's, you know, my, my interest in, in training and the, the science behind fitness um, and sports and athletes really um, took off during that time. So that was around 2012. And so um, then, you know, things over the past, you know, nine, 10 years since then have really blossomed from that time continuing that public service career in the volunteer right. fire service. That is awesome. Well, thank you for all of that. And and thank you for, uh, you know, being a war veteran, something I would not be able to do. So appreciate you going out there and doing that. Don't um, yourself short. Or, no, <laughs> Give no, yourself no. credit, you know? I promise you, you know. That's, that's not for me. I promise <laughs> you that's not for me. But no, sincerely, thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for what you do. And I think, you know, with with your athletic career, I guess, you know, just to hop back to that for a second, what, what I mean, graduating from Princeton, lauded athlete, potential, you know, you probably had the world ahead of you. What was the reason for wanting to join the army and and be a part of that immediately after graduating from school? You know, at a, like the, at, the, at a real baseline level, I was never one of those people who going into college, like, you know, through high school, going to college was mm-hmm. like, I know what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I was never I didn't have really those like long term visions as a young person, as a teenager, as very much. And I still am to an extent, you know, I'm very much sort of like, um, you know, living in the moment, loving what I'm doing, you know, trying new things. I love change. I'm fine with that kind of, you know, adaptation. And so I sort of bit of bit of a chameleon. And so I didn't like enter college thinking like, this is what I want my major to be. This is what I dream of being as a professional. So actually, when I learned about the ROTC program and the scholarship to school, you know, that program helps to pay for your college tuition. Um, There's actually some ROTC scholarships that are full, full blown, you know, full scholarships now to private schools, incredible opportunity for teenagers and high school students. So I'll just pl- put a plug in for that. Um, and a lot of people don't know that or so the sort of the, you know, the full spectrum of that opportunity. So 
I really, you know, I tried it out. I tried out that RTC program. And what you do is you train, you know, you, you, you are effectively training as to be a soldier, to be a platoon leader. You, you get your uniforms, um, you learn military science in the classroom, you learn about the nine principles of leadership, you learn, you go out and do field exercises, you learn marksmanship, land navigation. And I loved it. I just loved all of that. I loved like the physical aspects, the team aspects, the challenge. Um, it was a great compliment to my career as an athlete. And if by my sort of sophomore, junior, senior year, once I've been doing that for a couple of years, I was like, well, I don't, I don't really have a you know better idea of what else I'm going to do. Like, truthfully, that was kind of where I stood. I was like, I love this. This seems like a great career. It seems like a great fit for me um, as a person and an athlete. And so, you know, I think this would be a great, four to five year commitment in the army. And that was, that was really the, you know, the beginning of that career. That is awesome. And yeah, I mean, you, you made a lot of the parallels from, you know, the military to sports. I mean, we always kind of have a lot of those, whether it's, you know, a super, a very common one, you know, with football, you know, in the trenches, right? Like that's a very, obviously it's a, it's a militaristic term. It's also a very, you know, overused term in my opinion, but in football, you know, it's one of those, it's one of the, you know, going to war with your teammates and all that. It's, it's really that, that commonality, that community aspect going and, and trying to defeat your opponent in one aspect. It's really trying to come together to work towards a common goal. There's, there's so many of those parallels that I think it makes sense why you love the sports aspect so much at Princeton, but then also obviously the ROTC and everything that you did there. And I guess coming out of that, as you said, you got an incredible opportunity. Yes, Warby Parker. I'm wearing Zennies right now, so don't tell them, but uh, <laughs> great, great glasses company. They have a lot of cool stuff they're doing. They've always been doing <laughs> they, they've been doing a lot of stuff there, but yeah. with, you know, with, as you said, then co- going and, and finding that, that volunteer firefighting aspect and, and getting back into that commonality, that leadership, the, all those things. Talk to me a little bit about fit fighter. So what exactly is it and how, how are you able to help? And especially in the beginning, and I'm sure it's evolved over time. When was the aha moment of saying, you know, not only can I just create programs, just create, not only can I create programs for firefighters and help them with everything that you've learned in athletics and in the military, but I can take it a step further and actually turn this into a business where I can make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun along the way. (laughs) Yeah, you got it. So this, this is a really fun founding story, like total kind of garage Mm -hmm. hobby, you know, classic, um, story where, you know, that really came to me instead of the other way around. And so once I had developed these training programs, one of the things I was doing was trying to figure out tools that we already had at our disposal in the firehouse, of which there are many, you know, I mean, firefighters love gear and you need a lot of gear. And so I would use, you know, tools like our, our off, you know, tools coming off the trucks, you know, with different shapes, sizes, weights. Um, and we would, you know, lift, drag, heave, you know, pass. I would sort of figure out ways to mimic, you know, to really connect for our team, the, the training, the fitness training, strength conditioning with the movements that were required of us on the fire ground. And what I land, you know, through that process, what I realized is that, you know, the lifeline, the bloodline of firefighting is fire hose. And we were, you know, very seldom pulling fire hose off the trucks, filling it with, you know, charging it with water from the hydrant and having a chance to actually do those live fire drills, really understanding the 
the the incredible strength and stamina that's required of managing and handling fire hose charged with water with resistance around us, you know, hauling it upstairs, up ladders, you know, requirements for search teams and other operations happening, you know, on the way into that sort of high stress situation um, in which most of your movements are on all fours, you know, smoke is high, you know, bodies and lungs need to be low. So, you know, really, um, really organically, I realized that, you know, using that fire hose as our tool was a great place to start with sort of that fundamental training that we that we needed, that grip training, the core strength. And so over time, I started to work on ways to, to mimic most closely those movements and those requirements. So I would take old pieces of fire hose we had off the trucks used out of service, and I would cut them up into different lengths, pieces, and fill them with sand and rocks and poles and all kinds of other things. I would attach eye hooks and like hose clamps around the ends and drag, you know, weighted objects and sandbags along behind. And over time, again, as this prototype of this piece of equipment developed, we realized not only was this great for training hose handling itself and the movement of the fire hose, but this was great at general strength, power, conditioning, stability, mobility, because of the structure of these tools I was making. So I spent a lot of time refining this into something that would be simple and effective and safe and easy to transport and would have this sort of semi-rigid structure that you could use to do the widest variety of applications in fitness training at large, lifting, dragging, heaving, swinging. And what that was, was these smaller lengths of hose that were filled with a very, very fine steel shot, which flows like water, but is five times as dense as water. So you create a weight and density in this tool that's even more than having, you know, this fire hose charged with water. And in doing that, um, punched grommets in the end so we could still pull our equipment on, along behind. And we found this to be an incredibly effective tool, not just for firefighters, but for athletes and moms and dads and trainers and coaches that were looking for, you know, great, effective strength training tools. So that's how FitFighter was originally born. That is awesome. Yes, it's a very uh, garage, as you said, kind of garage founding story where it's it's just you were doing something to help the people around you, right? Like this was something that you were interested in and you wanted to do it. And you're kind of like, hey, like we can we have, we don't really use the hose too often. Like, why don't we actually try and use that? And so by actually just kind of, you know, it's, it's one of those like, I don't want to say duh, but it's, you know, when you hear it, it's just like, well, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Why, why aren't you, you know, training with the hose? And, and, you know, by making it heavier, uh, the, the one um, analogy I can go back to, I played a lot of baseball. It's right. You put that donut on a bat. So yeah. it swings, it's a lot heavier. And then when you take it off, it feels lighter. It's not, that's just kind of, it's not how it works. But as you yeah. said, if you can do something that makes it heavier and harder, when you actually do it in the moment, it feels a lot easier, which I think is, is pretty impressive. So, um, did you create CrossFit? Is that is that kind of what I'm hearing here? Is it like is it like a I don't know it's it's not quite like a games opportunity, but is it just use a lot of stuff around you and just try and get better as time goes on? Like explain exactly like what is Fit Fighter then? Is it is it just the application? Is it the are you gonna have events? Because that sounds like a kind of a fun event, firefighter <laughs> games. I don't know, but like talk to me exactly like what is the the business model? How do you make money? There we go. How do you make money? There we go. That's easy. Yeah, I'd love to to tell you about sort of how 
how a garage hobby and, you know, inventing a, a neat tool, you know, turns into a real a, a system, you know, and a real mission and vision for the future, um, which is much, much bigger than having great tools and training. This is distinctively not CrossFit. Um, and, you know, that's a really important distinction for me. Um, that also, you know, CrossFit is, I mean, gosh, my husband, I think, started um, doing those, you know, the daily workouts with mm -hmm. CrossFit um, mm -hmm. when he was in the military deployed, you know, and so that definitely similar in spirit, you know, where you start, which is being able to, in a short period of time, you know, have just great, great intensive sort of team oriented programming that builds a community. And those are all, you know, things that CrossFit did incredibly well um, and really set the standard, you know, for this sort of community based, almost cultish training, um, fitness training. And that, that part I do love about it. What's very different here with Fit Fighter is that what we did in the last two years um, is transform this from this, a single tool to train firefighters for all of their comprehensive movements on the fire ground, take the spirit of what that really meant which is giving people the strength and conditioning and stability and the mental fortitude and readiness through that physical and mental preparation and stamina building to be better at whatever their every day was going to demand of them. And now we've taken the principles of that training We've turned this, the modern steel hose, which is what we call our weighted fire hose tool, into a commercial tool that is now available to trainers, coaches, gyms, and the general public for their living room or their basement. And we've created an entire product line of the tools from five to 50 pounds that all use that same real fire hose recycled steel shot and the brass grommets, you know, stitched at the ends to create this beautiful, simple free weight and resistance tool. And then we've developed a system around that, a platform, a training platform that has hundreds and thousands of movements and applications that whether you are in your living room and you're looking to, you know, have a safe, you know, durable, easy to transport, great for your, your family um, tool to do strength training with and move and have fun, or whether you're, you know, looking to have, um, you know, complete product line sets for your basketball team that's safe for the court and you can bring and do lateral stability drills with that entire spectrum of, you know, people and athletes and trainers. Um, we now have that system available. So, you know, the steel hose system is a way to really add into your life a strength program and a conditioning program that carries with it that original spirit and strength of service members and, you know, what they're responsible to do in these life or death situations. And that brings it into the fabric of your own life. So ultimately, you know, vision down the road for, for FitBiter is that, you know, we're, we're transforming people's lives through that strength and spirit. We can, you know, this, this is a tool forever. This is like tennis or like ice skating or like golf or, you know, this is the, 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 the everyday and the life long program that people can do with simple, with a simple tool that's inspired by, you know, our, our sort of most loyal and committed service members that, you know, provide for their community every day. 
I love that. I, I love the mission. I love the spirit of it. And again, we're obviously where it came from, we already went over that. But I think it's just so cool how you were able to take it over the last couple of years and really turn it into something. Uh, I think that part is really important. And and I mean, what over the last two years, how what what are some of these successes that you've seen and and like you know kind of people utilizing the product and and becoming better at what they want to become better at which is is obviously fitness like what what have you seen over the last two years that makes you even more excited to wake up and and because i'm assuming you were in the armory and sports you probably wake up at what like three o'clock in the morning how do you jump out of bed that early in the morning and get excited to get going and get your day started knowing that you're legitimately changing people's lives yeah, you know, people ask that question a lot about sort of, especially in this time we're in right now, where, you know, it's, this has been such a challenging time for people and companies and families. And, you know, at the end of the day, the two, the two things that in my life, every single day that keep me going and, you know, jumping out of bed when you're exhausted is number one, the fact that every day we're impacting more and more people with the spirit of our mission and just literally the, you know, the, the equipment and the training that we can provide. And the second thing is those moments with my little girls when, you know, I squeeze them tight and look at their smiling faces and I think about the next generation and, you know, the obligation that we have to make the next generation healthier than ours. And I think like, man, we have no choice but to jump out of bed every day. I mean, there's nothing else that matters right now than for us to be healthier. And we, we've just we've just seen in the last, you know, seven, eight months, we've watched the life changing power of good health and strength. And that is something that we can no longer, can anyone stare in the mirror and say, you know, this isn't something that I have to commit to. And I think, you know, for leaders, like in our industry, trainers, coaches, um, you know, people who are, are in our industry, you know, running gyms and, and making great, you know, home fitness tools and programs. Like we have this obligation because we have this ability to help people to be healthy and be strong. And I don't see this as a choice anymore. I see this as the only thing that matters for us because we've watched people um, who weren't healthy um, for whom this has been a, a life or death situation. And I don't think we can, um, you, you just can't paint on that issue anymore. You know, it's, 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 it, it's really dire. And um, I mean, not to, you know, sort of take like a, you know, like a fun, super spirited conversation and be like a Debbie Downer. But like, I think it's really that that's what we need to be talking about now. You know, when we think about, um, you know, sports and health and energy and just like this, you know, kind of all the topics we're, we're kind of swirling around here. Um, that's what, you know, that's what's keeping me going. And that's what's making me just like, you know, put a big grin on my face and be like, let's do this. Yeah. And it's, 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 uh, it's kind of like a catch 22, right? In certain situations, like I'm here in New Jersey, you're there uh, in New York. And, you know, obviously, extremely densely packed, kind of worried about the spread of the virus, obviously, and we're seeing it affects people that are a little unhealthier, people that are a little bit older, obviously, in, in, in much worse ways than people like myself, um, a little, you know, a little bit younger, um, like yourself, a little bit younger, obviously, very fit doing what you do and, and seeing and, and understanding that. But then not being able to go to the gym, we've obviously seen a huge, huge increase in those at home workouts in the, the, the virtual personal trainings. Over the last few months, I mean, obviously the mission is there for you and, and, and the, the what you're trying to affect and how you're trying to affect it. What have you seen in terms of 
people adopting this product because they have they are stuck at home and they aren't able to leave or they're not allowed to go to a gym and, and do what they need to do and understanding that this your product is now able to really help in many more ways than one this seems like it's it's not quite i mean i don't want to say one size fits all or you you can do just about everything with it but it seems like you can cover a huge huge basis with this you know as you said you have a line of products but you can cover so many different things with one of these versus you know a, a weight set that takes up half your basement or anything so how have you seen over the last 6 to 8 months the the adoption of your product and and the utilization over it especially with so many people now being stuck at home yeah, you know, we launched originally launched FitFighter to be, uh, you know, with the strategy that we were going to work with gyms and trainers and coaches at the top of our industry and really trickle down. You know, those are the people that influence their clients, their athletes. So the idea was to sort of trickle down, you know, into people's homes and and people's, you know, garages and living rooms. And what happened was in March when you know that professional market effectively shut down, and for all of us, it was about sort of you know keeping the lights on and and staying healthy at home. And that's when we realized, you know, when we pivoted and we launched a home gym set, I picked my three favorite weights, you know, and we started to um, launch an app and, you know, to help people with kind of what movements and, and short workouts they would do with, with steel hoses, you know, and we realized at that moment, how, how special and how versatile this could be for people and that people were loving, you know, just, bringing steel hoses into their garage and their living room. And they were really adopting this as a, a way of staying fit and a way of having fun. And for moms, this is awesome because you can throw steel hoses in a trunk or in a beach tote bag or a park tote. It's safe for toddlers. You know, you don't have hard steel, um, which so many, you know, weighted implements are in home gyms. And so this became this awesome, versatile tool for people in ways that I had never imagined with applications that as I now look on Instagram and I look at, you know, what people are doing with steel hoses and throwing them in backpacks and doing like ruck marches up mountains and all kind like rolling downhill. I mean, like all kinds of stuff, you know, and it's fun for me to watch things, you know, transform and take on this sort of magical evolution that, you know, even I never imagined having been sort of in the trenches for five years. I, I was I was about to ask that. I mean, once you, once you put enough products in enough people's hands, they're going to do things with it that you never thought of. Right. And so it's kind of yeah. cool to allow, you know, hey, if you can utilize this in a good way and you can get healthier with it, we don't care how you do it. But what are some of the crazier things that you've seen people do? Again, if you put enough of these in people's hands, there's going to be stuff that you never thought about as in, you know, walking up mountains and like, rolling down hills. Can you just explain that one? Because I think that's probably one of the crazier things uh, that you have seen so far on the Internet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, somebody, I, you know, we've had people sort of like, you know, they they'll they'll put sort of like a steel hose here and then like do, you know, like a barrel roll with it, you know, or like put it above your head. And like barrel roll down the mountain, which obviously is like, you know, great for your core strength. I mean, we'll do rolls anyway in the gym, like in a more controlled setting. But I thought that was just really funny watching them th that happen. Um, you know, heaves and tosses. I mean, super fun to like throw a steel hose as far as you can. So that's been really fun. Like I said, people tossing them into their into their, you know, backpack going on a hike you know, with steel hoses and hanging them like at the top of the mountain on one of those little signs that says like, you know, you're at three, you know, 4,000 mm -hmm. feet or whatever in the white mountains. And they'll like 
hang the steel hose on the little peg and take snap a photo, you know, stuff like that, where I'm just like, cool, that, that I'm like, that's awesome mm -hmm. that that is a part of, you know, what you're doing with your day. And that this, again, this idea of, of we have to weight train. Um, I'm very, you know, one of the things that I, I love to talk about with people is the value of weight training. People, you know, there's a lot of people that still think of weight training and as like powerlifting, you know, like I know that's for like power lifters, you know, and I don't we I, I sort of they, they do yoga or they do um, spinning and they do like a lot of other um, maybe they love Zumba um, group classes and, and they like other types of training. And I'm like, that's awesome. Like you 100 percent like do what you love. But you also like every single one of us should be weight training. That's how we sustain our muscle mass. That's how we sustain our bone density. That's how we maintain our posture. That's how we get core strength. We sleep better. Our immunity improves. I mean, we have to train with weight. Loaded movements is critical for a long-term health. And so like that, my message. So like we have like a steel hose is like, that's your answer. Like if you don't love lifting and bars and barbells and dumbbells and kettlebells, like grab a steel hose, eight pounds is fine. And like, come with us, just move, you know, that's move, good. move with some weight. And so that's like, that's my big sort of overarching mess, you know, message. And it's, yeah, it's fun to see people sort of like, you know, lift, drag, pack it on their back, put it on their shoulders, you know, in a million different ways I've, I've been watching. I love it. I love it. And, and to get into the sciences of it a little bit, I, I don't really, I'm, it's not my forte, but with, with something, as you said, because it, it, the, the steel moves kind of like water, so it's not that kind of static bar, that's always one thing, you know, that people I've heard, I, I don't, but I've heard people that, you know, they like things that, you know, utilizing water because it kind of the stability and little tiny muscles everywhere that you really didn't realize, like how much does that help? in this it, where it's not just a sink, you know, you're not just making a single curl because there, there's kind of that extra movement. How much does that really help? Especially those smaller muscles that we might not hit in other situations. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, I wish that one of my training, cause I, I've got training partners, of course, that are like, you know, far more have spent, you know, their Perfect. entire careers right. mm -hmm. um, with this. And like, that's, that's fundamental to our, you know, they're the ones that would design our, all of our training, but in essence, the way that we're distributing weight across a steel hose and in that horizontal manner and the instability and imbalance of that weight, that's what's going to ultimately make those, you know, those little tweaks that we have to make in our motion, like as we're moving, if you have a steel hose way above your head, you know, if you have um, a steel hose that you're, you know, stabilizing, like in your, it's called a zercher hold, like in your elbows, ultimately the fact that that's always moving around a little bit on you and it's distributed in a really different way than that sort of fixed hard mm -hmm. steel that is what's going to give us this unique strength training opportunity. And, and the core is always working with a steel hose. So you could be like, you know, doing a simple like lunge with a press and ultimately like it's your core, it's working. You could be doing a swing, you know, with your upper body and you think it's sort of your work in your shoulders and your arms, but your work like that core is what's keeping you stable. And as that weight is always moving around on you, you know, that that's ultimately where we're really making our money. And I, I mean, people laugh, like I, they, they, people don't believe me sometimes and they say, I really do. Like I train four times a week 
I do steel hose training and I run probably twice a week. I love to run outside. Um, just used to go for a jog. And that that is it. Like, that is what I do. And I love it. And I, I train on our on our live training platform with this group um, that during the day. And that's what I do. And that's that's where my strength cut like I it's what makes me feel strong. And I am a I am a hundred percent product of my own you know, my own message. Like I walk the walk <laughs> that like I walk the talk or whatever you say. And, you. uh, it's, and like that, I think that's like one of the most fun parts about it. That is awesome. I didn't realize you had a live, I mean, I know you said you have the app, so I'm excited to get one. Once uh, we're over, just send me all those links that yeah. I can then share with people so that everyone can go and download everything. Cause it sounds like this is absolutely fantastic. And the last question I have, um, so you said before your, your two favorite things, uh, about waking up every day. I thought one was going to be your daughter and your second was going to be your other daughter, to be totally honest with you. But then <laughs> they, they were both in there. So it's okay. So we got to check that box, I guess. Yeah. What, is it, what is it like being a, uh, is the term mom or something like that? I don't think I said it correct. But like, what, yeah, what like mompreneur. Like? I know I hear that a lot. Yeah. Something like that. How, what has it been like trying to, not trying, building a business as a mom? You know, you have two young kids this is a, a young business. So it's kind of like a third kid. I'm assuming, I don't know, but I'm assuming. And, and on top of that, now we're, you know, we're in the midst of a pandemic where, you know, it's difficult for people to leave their homes and I'm sure you're surrounded by your family and I'm sure you love your family so much, but I'm sure at sometimes it's kind of like, Hey, I wish nobody was here right now. So I could do some of my work. I mean, what has it been like over the last, I mean, two years again with the kids, but then especially this last six to eight months building this business with all these other distractions and all these other things that are going on in the world. Yeah. This every family right now is just going through chaos. Like that is just a fact, you know, and ours is no different. My husband's a, a surgeon in Northwell Health System. He's in and out of the city every day. I've got the two girls, you know, they're in preschool, pre-K. And um, we have, you know, we have Nancy comes in the afternoons and is with me since I'm over at the factory, comes for the girls. I take them, you know, in the mornings and, you know, it really it's it's a lot right now for sure for every family, just the juggling. I will say that I think it's my firm belief that being a mom and an entrepreneur is in the long run, making my business stronger, it's going to make the company stronger. I think I would be one of those entrepreneurs who's like manic and working 21 hours a day. If I wasn't a mom and if I didn't have other things going on that demanded hours of my attention per day. And I kind of get the sense, my self-analysis is that I would just, you know, drive myself into a brick wall and just like, you know, um, sort of and and kind of just be manic about things i think the fact that i can take that break you know the girls need me and so i spend four or five hours a day with my girls and i know that the company's gonna be stronger for it and so that's one way to look at this notion of like wow how do you do it all i actually think i i sort of turned that on its head a little bit to say like i think it's important to be doing it all because I think it's going to be important to have that balance. I think the business is better. I think the girls are better that I'm so passionate about, you know, something outside of them that I take the time during the day to do both. So it's a, it's a very special um, living, living the dream. You know, it's hard, it's challenging, but we've got a lot of people to help and lives to impact. And there's, there's too much to do to, to sort of not say like, you know, let's do this. 
athlete, war vet, volunteer, firefighter. Yeah, I don't, I don't think uh, easy was a word that you would describe any of those things as. So why, why make it easy now, right? But I, I think it's awesome, uh, Sarah. I think you're doing some really cool stuff. I, I really love the idea of Pit Fighter. Kind of again, the story where it comes from, I think, is very important too. That's why I always love having these longer conversations and who you are. And really see where some of this stuff comes from. But this has been absolutely fantastic. Sarah Apgar, founder of Fit Fighter, Iraq Warvet, as I said, mom of two toddlers. Sarah, where can everybody find you and Fit Fighter online? Yeah, it's easy. Just go to fitfighter.com. And that's the best way. If people are for the social media fans out there, you can find us on Instagram. That's a great way too. Fitfighter Pro and Fitfighter Fitness are two Instagram accounts. You can find me, of course, as well. And um, yeah, we'd love to meet you. Perfect. And I'll get all those links from Sarah in case anybody is listening and they just want to click on something as well as anything to download an app. I want that link as well. So we'll get that for everybody. But Sarah, absolutely, absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today. Absolutely. Thanks, Michael. This is a blast. Yeah.